Welcome to Pursuing Justice. It's great to have you with us again. I'm Harriet Hendel. This is our final segment of a four-part series talking to Christine Bunch, an exoneree from Indiana who spent 16 years in prison for a crime she did not commit. We've spoken about women exonerees, and we've spoken about a wonderful, much, much needed organization that Christine put together called Justice for Just Us. She calls it J for J. Um, I encourage my listeners to, you know, go back and, and hear the other segments if you're just tuning in for the first time. Today, we will be speaking about the issue of compensation and some changes in laws in various states and a couple other topics as well. So, welcome, Christine. Thank you. I'm glad to be All back right. with you. It's good to have you with us. And I, I certainly hope that you are shining a light on so many things that we often don't think about. Um, and and uh, what we wanted to talk about a little bit is the issue of compensation. Maybe um, for those who might not understand what that concept is, what, what do we mean when we talk about compensation for a wrongfully convicted uh, person? Compensation is legislation that's passed within a state to give them a monetary amount for every year spent in prison for a crime they didn't commit. And not every state has compensation. How many states, do you know how many states do? Um, 36. Yeah, I think that's right. I looked it up. It's about 35, 36. Well, Idaho and, just passed. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Oh, boy. How, how recently was that? Uh, within the past two weeks. Oh, <laughs> that went right by me. I didn't even know that. I thought that I read about Maryland, which was last month. So I also must it must be about thirty six then because uh, Maryland looked like it made uh, thirty five. So um, do you know each state is very very different. There there's no uniformity. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Idaho's uh, new law of you know statute of compensation? Yeah, I am not sure what Idaho's compensation is. I just. Uh-huh. I just saw that it was passed because um, a fellow exoneree and friend, Chris Tapp, went and testified for it, and he's been working on it since last year. Um, I can tell you that the best compensation package is in Texas. Right. Which <laughs> That's is <true>. mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. And, I mean, every single person gets $80,000 a year for every year they were in. Plus, that amount goes into an annuity for them, which is incredible because, you know, all that time, you're missing out on paying into Social Security. So, you have no retirement. Yeah. Virtually, you're, you know, you've missed out on that as well. And um, they have a a wonderful program there. I, I know that I've heard several exonerees talk about when somebody is exonerated, you know, they help get them in to housing and, you know, make sure they have what they need. So they've really built up a nice package down there, and the exonerees work hard to make sure that new exonerees are 
feeling like they're part of the group and they have what they need and it's not such a culture shock because some states have nothing. Yeah, that's true. Some states have absolutely nothing. And some states have a law on the books, but there's no money. What good is the law if there's nothing behind it? Uh, I think um, Alabama is one of those um, states. Um, So uh, I do know about the Florida law, but there's a catch to the Florida law. And I don't know if any other state has this. Um, It is $50,000 per year per, you know, every year that you were wrongly um, incarcerated. However, there is what they call a clean hands clause in the compensation bill. And what that means is if you had a prior felony, and if you did before Florida locked you up wrongfully, then you're out of luck. There's no money that comes to you. So do you know if that's true of any other state? I have only heard about it with Florida. Yeah. Which, I mean, really bothers me because um, so many of the men on the registry of exonerations, they were, you know, in gangs and they had some history, you know, it wasn't anything major. It was drugs. It was, you know, running with a gang. You were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So they might have some conviction on there. And then because they had this, this small conviction, they got railroaded into mm-hmm. a wrongful conviction. Yeah. So if they're in Florida, they're getting nothing yeah. just because of that. they had something, which is heartbreaking. Just recently, I was hoping to interview this man, but it just didn't work out. Um, the Innocence Project, uh, in the New York, Pro- I always call it the New York Project, and a conviction integrity unit in Florida and the Innocence Project of Florida um, helped to exonerate Robert Dubois. He spent 37 years in prison and there was no compensation due to a prior charge of grand theft and burglary. And that, that's just 37 years and he's out of luck. I, I think they're going to try to fight fight for him. And I also know, you talked about legislation, that our executive director, Seth Miller, has been fighting for years to get rid of of that clean hands clause. And they've got support to get rid of it, but I guess right now, not enough. Not enough. Now, what about what about Indiana? What do you know about Indiana? So, Indiana, a year ago, I helped work on the legislation to pass compensation in my home state. It was important to me that, you know, if we're forging ahead and really making some changes, that I see those changes happen in my home state. So we started working on it. The, um, the Indiana statute says $50,000 a year for every year that you were incarcerated, but it also includes reentry services. So now an exoneree can come out and get all the same services that a parolee or a probationer can get. 
and I thought that was really important. I want them to be able to go in and get, you know, job training, job placement, all those things that are supposed to be there for our reentry program. I think it's important that they know, hey, there's programs to help. Now, when did Indiana pass this uh, bill? Indiana passed the bill in 2020. Oh, almost brand new, right? Yes. And do you have any idea who, how many have benefited from the, that new compensation bill? Well, um, the bill was unique because anybody that hadn't won a lawsuit that had already been out could go in and apply for it. Oh, so So, in a way it was sort of retroactive or? Yes, but their legislation is written up where you can either have a lawsuit or you can have state compensation. They're not paying both. Oh. So you have a choice. And if you went and um, you didn't get a lawsuit, um, you could still apply for it. The issue is you have to fit with clear and convincing evidence that you are absolutely innocent. Actual innocence, as they say, yeah. Okay. Yes. So, from what I know, four people have been approved, and I am one of those. Oh, how wonderful. That's incredible. I know. It's been eight years since I've been home, and it was the first time that I heard actual innocence and somebody recognizing that and I didn't realize how much I needed and wanted that recognition yeah proof yes oh that's that's fantastic so will will you put some of that money into J4J do you think um some of it will go into J4J because I want to make sure that it's still running even though even if I'm not here and um the rest you know I need to start thinking about retirement and um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be young forever. So if I start investiga- investing now, then, um, you know, I don't have to worry about all those years that I didn't pay into Social Security. I'll yeah. have something. Right, right. Maybe buy your first home, right? Yes. <laughs> That's great. So in terms of um, uh, compensation, uh, the differences state to state are really quite extreme. Uh, in, in New York State, for example, um, the, it is done on a case-by-case basis, and I will be interviewing uh, a man, you probably know him, Jeffrey Deskovic, does that name sound familiar to you? Yes, I do. Jeffrey's yeah. a wonderful person. Yeah, he, he uh, got a great deal of money uh, in the millions um, and started a foundation to help others like him who were wrongfully convicted. So then we have the, the Central Park Five. Uh, so New York uh, kicks out a tremendous amount of money. And I, I always wonder if, how, how is it these states don't learn that it's costing them a small fortune to, uh, to compensate? You would think they would find try to find a way or put money into finding a way to not have this this occur as often as it as it does so um, I'm hoping that there will be a time where all 50 states 
have a compensation law, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. We're at thirty six. We're getting there. I mean, um, my dream goal is not not so much compensation, but mm-hmm. that we get something, some kind of a federal statute, where uh-huh. you know the exonerated coming out get um, almost uh, a protected class designation so that you know people understand that they're going to come out with mental health issues everybody's suffering from PTSD I think it would be great if you know they had some form of security since social security isn't an option for them you know if everybody got an annuity and you gave them health care for life give that to them so that they can come out and have their teeth taken care of and they can get into a counselor and you know talk about all the issues they're having that is a simple fix and I always tell everybody it would be incredible if you gave me a full toolbox it's nice to have money but what if you gave me you know insurance and I could go take care of all my, my medical and mental health needs and my dental needs because it's going to cost a, a brand new car to replace the teeth they pulled in there. Mm-hmm. And what if you gave me federal subsidized housing so that I knew that I was coming out and my immediate needs would be met and I could take my transition period, get myself in a good spot, and I could go rebuild my life. I have everything I need. There's a foundation there. Instead of just giving me some money and hope I know what to do with it. Yeah, very true. That's true. And and I think one of the things that I know um, clear as a bell is both the medical and dental care in prison is so substandard so that over years and years of incarceration, someone comes out with probably many, many uh, needs and, and issues that have never been addressed. And now they, how, how do they do that with, uh, you know, as you say, without money if, if they were unlucky enough not to be compensated? Or even if they have the money, where do they even begin? So uh, it's, it's, it's a very difficult issue. So hopefully um, there'll be more awareness of this and maybe what you say, uh, a federal kind of program um, would be put in place. Who knows? You know, we'll, we'll have to see. Is that is that an issue that has ever come up at the Innocence Network Convention? Um, you mean doing something um, federally? Well, yeah, to exp- or to expand the compensation laws across the nation. I mean, um, I think there are so few people working on changing legislation oh, really? that, you know, they're going by a state-by-state basis because this is such a huge problem. There are so many things that need to be changed with our criminal justice system that I think, you know, this kind of falls off on the wayside and it's like you know how much how much more work can we put into this because we have limited funding limited time and we're trying to have you know policy advocates work within certain states to help them pass legislation 
So to take that on a whole other level, I, I don't think they have the, the staff or the resources to do that. And maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe the desire is not there. Maybe there are other things that are, you know, more more critical. And certainly COVID, uh, the pandemic, has not helped at all. It's it's almost like a rollback. It's been such a difficult, difficult year for for everyone and, and certainly people in, in prison as well. So uh, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel now with the vaccines. So I wanted to switch gears in the small amount of time we have left and and kind of bring people up to present um, to see where you are in your personal life, which we really haven't talked about. We talked about you know many other topics um, and the challenges that maybe you faced on a very personal level um, since you you have been out. Well, um, whew, personal. <laughs> I mean, um, that was a big question. <laughs> yeah, things are um, a lot different because um, you know it's um, it's weird to try to date if you're single, and um, I think the trust issue is a really big thing after so long in prison. So. Um, that's something that, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to other exonerees about. It's just, um, it's hard to find somebody that, you know, you can connect with or somebody that understands that you're going to react to things differently because you've been in prison. <laughs> it's weird. So um, that, you know, that hasn't really moved forward. And I just kind of chalk it off to, hey, that's another thing that I'm going to, miss out on because of the, my wrongful conviction. Um, my, my son is, you know, a young man now, and I'm getting ready to have my first grandchild in, in April. Oh, my goodness. So that's very exciting. And um, it was a hard process, I think, to, to build a relationship with him because... Um, I came out, and of course, I want to, I want to fix everything and make everything right, because I wasn't there for so long, and he feels like he has to go back and relive his whole childhood because I missed it. So, um, you know, doing counseling with him, really talking about, you know, what we expect and want from each other, it was. Um, a hard process, but I'm grateful for it because, you know, he was able to tell me, well, you know, it's just, it's a lot of stress on me. He said, everybody's talking about you. Everybody knows you. They keep asking, am I your kid? And he said, you know, it's not that I'm ashamed, but he said, I don't want to talk about this for the rest of my life. Of course not. And I was like, I understand it's my story, not yours. So, um, he told me he just needed a break and needed to think about everything. So I told him I was going to back off and give him time to decide what kind of relationship he wants with me. And how, um, how, how much did you see him while you were incarcerated? Um, when he was younger, I saw him every week. I when see. he got a little bit older, it was usually every other week because he would have school events or... 
So you were, you, you did have a connection to him all the way through? Yes. Okay. And, and how old is he now? He's 24 now. Oh, my. Yes. Wow. It so, took, it took him about six months to say, you know, I, I want my mom. He said, I, I want to, you know, have a mom now. And I said, okay, whatever that looks like. And so we kind of figure it out as we go. And um, we go to rock concerts together or mm-hmm. out to eat. And he works and has his own his own life. But um, I love it that when something goes on, he picks up the phone and says, Mom, I need to, I need to run this by you. And I need some advice. And I need you to, you know, give me some insight. I'm, I'm grateful that he comes to me for that. And, that I can be there now and say, hey, I'm here and I'm going to continue to be here. That's great. That's wonderful. So uh, now you have a whole new phase of life coming as uh, as grandma, right? So, yes. You know, that's exciting. And that, that may bring you even closer. Who knows, right? Now, d- does, he, does he live nearby? Uh, yeah, he's about 45 minutes away from me. So, still enough that he's, you know, independent, but close enough I can get to him if something is going on. Right, right. I, I think uh, the impact, uh, we, we know this, of prison on children of incarcerated, uh, an incarcerated parent is, is so, so intense and goes so deep. I don't think we completely understand it. I, I interviewed um, several young people whose parents either were in prison or still are and will remain there forever. And it was fascinating to hear their perspective. Um, so I, I think uh, that it, it, it certainly is a wonderful thing that you've been able in your way to repair uh, the damage done and and move forward. And, and I like when he said, you know, this, this isn't my story and, and I want to talk about it for the rest of my life. And, and you know, I think I think he's right. Move forward and, and uh, you know, work on, on uh, the relationship that you have today rather than look backwards. So that's that's a that's great. It really is. So you, he was he was mostly uh, in the care of your mom, is that right? Your parents, and my brother, yeah, and your brother, and your brother. Yeah. And and in terms of of um, you know your family, um, are are relationships in a good a good place for you where you are today? So um, I mean, I have my relationship with my son and my brother that yeah. hasn't really changed. Um, the others, it's it's really hard to connect because I'm I'm not the same person, and they expect me to be the same person. How could you be? I they you know grew and changed, and I think they didn't think that I was going to grow and change. Mm. They thought I would just come back and fit right in, and it be the same. No, it sure doesn't. Well, we are at the end of our time together, and I can't thank you enough for sharing so much of your personal time with us and also um, illuminating 
topics that need to be illuminated, and, and you have done that. So I thank you so much, Christine, for being with us for our series on women exonerees, and I'm hoping maybe down the road a little to um, invite more women on the program to get their stories out there as well. So I thank you so very, very much, and um, it was wonderful to have you with us. So uh, you're very welcome. Thank you, listeners, for sticking with us. Hope that you take away uh, some things to think about, as always. That's always my goal, is to get you to think about things that you ordinarily might not be thinking about. And when you hear a personal story, there's nothing quite like that. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time on Pursuing Justice.